All right, welcome to another episode of Radio. I'm Richard Mulholland. I'm here with Ross Drakes and Dustin Botha, the co-founder of Lux Brands and the co-founder of Cotton Art Group. Um, he is also a guided missile. I have no idea why that's written there. <laughs> Dust, welcome to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Rich. Thanks, Ross. Yeah, thank you, and welcome on Radio. Um, we we are podcast made by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs um, and this is done by the entrepreneurs organization in South Africa um, so welcome on the show thank you and I think our, our first story is always the, the easiest is um, pitch us your businesses in um, five seconds so give just us elevator before pitch. you get there yeah. and just in case any of you hear any clanking and pots and pans behind us we're recording this live from EO's Ignite event. Uh, we're in the Vineyard Hotel. It's just had an amazing, very successful event. And we're just upstairs, so we apologize if there is any uh, extra noise that you're picking up. The dust, your pitch. Cool. Pitch. So, uh, we are a diverse, so Lux Brands, business number one, the one that uh, you know feeds the kids and uh, pays for the school fees. Um, the way I see it, we're a, we're a diversified distribution, marketing, and retail business. Um, co-founded it with a f- my best friend, one of my best friends, also a fellow EO member, uh, Daniel Hoffman, um, literally 10 years ago, um, to the month almost. Um, we distribute, market, retail, various world-class brands, um, what I consider best-in-class brands, um, throughout various different channels in South Africa. Um, being retail, business to business, corporate, um, there's, there's, a, there's a store we probably won't, uh, there's not a store we won't sell to out of the, the stable of brands. Okay. you want to give us an example of some of the brands you represent? Cool, yeah. So top of the food chain, we've got Skullcandy headphones and audio products. Uh, we do a bunch of accessories that bolt onto that, back to school ranges. Um, we've then got Lamy. Um, the Lamy pens, which I know uh, you guys are, are um, fans of. Um, we've, so listen, I'm yeah. going to stop you right there. Another EO member the other day, I have a meeting with him, a guy called Rob Gray. Yes. He spoke yesterday. Yes. So he is a massive uh, Lamy fan. Yeah. So we sit there and I'm helping with a presentation. And uh, at, the, at the end, I asked to borrow his pen quickly. And I just wrote a little bit with it. And I mean, I can't believe how long I've known you mm. and not tried it. I'm a complete convert. It's the greatest pen ever. They're phenomenal. He actually gave me one. I've had it in my pocket for weeks and I lost it in the Uber yesterday on my way to this gig. I was devastated. But they are phenomenal. I'm shocked that I've I've only found out that you have this brand now because I've been losing a Lamy pen a month for about two years now. So at this point, I probably could have had a corporate account with you guys and saved um, hundreds Someone's of thousands Someone's busy of emailing you as we speak to open your account. That's how fast I'm They actually uh, built some kind of self-destruct. You think you're losing them, but they just like disappear yeah. after a few months. <laughs> totally planned it that way. But they way. are phenomenal. Yeah. yeah, it's a great product. And uh, Rob, funny enough, um, we were in, 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 a, in an EO event and, and, uh, and it's like I noticed these things and he literally has um, like a different color. He's got three or four different colors and that guy's notebooks like you actually want to like, like works of art. they're like works of art. Like I just want to frame them. Um, and yeah, like I saw him and I said, Hey, you know, we actually do that product. If you ever need some, you must just let me know. And I, I mean, I deal with his PA, Nadia, um, every month or every two or three months. Slash she, wife. No, is that his wife? Yes. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I literally get orders and we supply him directly. You know, what's amazing about Dustin. He is successful in spite of himself because he's with 
Outer Dog, the most generous EO member ever. Like, he gives everything away to everybody. And if he's not giving it to you, he's giving it to you at cost. Uh, maybe we shouldn't be saying this live. It's not yeah. an advert for a free service. We prefer you pay retail. Yeah. The Boots of It's comes out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And tell us about your other business. So, um, wow. So the Cotton Art Group, um, well, it, it started as a business called Dust Tees. Um, so a bit of uh, 5% stuff is uh, I went through a really bad uh, breakup with, um, I've got three kids with a previous uh, woman um, who literally... No, You've got two kids with a previous woman. Two kids with a previous woman and, and one, one with kid. my car. Yes. Did I say something you wrong? You said Sorry. three with... <laughs> Try. See, I'm, I'm doing so much thinking. <laughs> that, that may be an edit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Can we edit that one? Yeah. Um, yeah, so anyway, so I uh, had a really traumatic experience. It was actually one of the catalysts for making me um, step over into EO. Um, Rich tried a couple times to introduce me to the organization. And um, it was weird, you know, I was that guy. I thought everything was fine. Business was going great. Um, and and I didn't actually join for um, for business reasons, although it's been an, an amazing unintended consequence. But so here we go. I, I got an awesome business, an amazing business partner. We do our thing. Moved to Cape Town. Um, my relationship uh, sort of ended, and things got very nasty um, to the point where I applied. For, I went to the high court to literally fight for custody of my two kids. That's a very costly exercise. Uh, so in one hand, I am living an amazing life that I didn't want to jeopardize. Um, like I didn't want to now have to move out of my awesome home so that and put my current family's sort of, um, to what I'm thinking of. Uh, their needs. And kind yeah, of like their current li- uh, lifestyle. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to change that for my family. So I actually had to start a business to fund what ended up being a three-year court wow. battle um, against the system. Um, which actually just didn't go anywhere. It was bizarre. But essentially, that's how it started. So, so I that's like your secret origin story. Like Spider-Man has the spider bite. Yeah. Batman has his parents yeah. being killed in front of him. You have the high court. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a heavy yeah. situation. You know, <laughs> Not it's a, a sexy, yeah. but it's kind of cool. <laughs> it's a really heavy situation. It's a very tense and volatile situation. Um, it's, it's, it's done so many things for me. It's, it's devalued money in my world. Money plays no role because it, money is the core root of, of this evil. And, and Rich has shared some, some very deep and, uh, he, he, I mean, he knows the story inside out. And, um, and it's all these things that led me to start a business um, by buying some screen printing material uh, or equipment and literally it just grew from there. And we delivered one set of cool teas which I was doing on weekends and then we did teas for someone else and it literally just has expanded. It, it, I met um, my so my current partner in this little venture is an accelerator member, um, and he was my supplier. For those who don't know, EO's accelerator is a program to try and help uh, up and coming, rapidly yeah. growing businesses uh, grow to a certain point, grow faster. Yeah, it's based on uh, Vern Harlish's scaling up techniques. Yeah, yeah. And the so Rockefeller habits. From $250,000 turnover all the way up to a million in two or three years. Yeah, so so <clears throat> Bruce Fenton, who is um, my, sort of the, the partner in that business, um, it literally was a case of I would visit him, he would do my screen printing, and off I'd go. And and so the process happened. I would, you know, people would hit me up, hey, we heard about your tees, can we get some more? Um, we'd do some caps, we did some uh, embroideries, things like that. Um, 
but the more time I spent with him, I realized that here was an entrepreneur who actually sucked at running a business. Um, he is an artist. He's an absolute genius. Um, but there was, there was like, you know, I would deliver my job or, or, or brief my job in and there was like radio silence until it was time to like, can I come fetch my stuff? And the more time we got to spend together and, and we eventually moved into a, a building together, um, you know, he literally handed me the keys and said, what you have done without even realizing it. And the little tweaks and the little levers that I pulled in this thing, um, which has now become the Cotton Art Group and we've structured in a way for long-term growth um, has, been, has, has been amazing. So it was like my beer money business, which I'm having a lot of fun doing while not jeopardizing my core business, which is, which is Lux Brands. And they all do feed into each other. So I'm having the time of my life. Doing. I love that. I mean, we were chatting in the walk over here about, you know, we've been at this conference, like Rich said, Ignite, and a lot of people have been talking about kind of finding your purpose and using your purpose as a, a, a fuel and a driver to kind of achieve great things and to help people and influence the world. And I think one of the things you said to me is that you feel like you, you are doing what you were yeah. kind of destined to do. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, your question was, uh, you know, are there any businesses with any uh, or people or whether that you like admire or you know something along those lines and it's weird like i've thought about it often and obviously now going through the whole eo journey and um you know spending a lot of time looking at myself and looking within uh you know rich and i spend a lot of time together in the mornings when we're both not traveling and we we we, we try and stick to a training regime and, and kind of egg each other on to to to, to do that and um it's it's insane. Like I respect every single person in in this organization, um, and 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 just you know business leaders, business people in general. And um, I truly believe I'm doing what I was supposed to do. Like I would not, for, as cool as Rich's business is, as cool as you know anyone else in this thing, and as rock star some of these things are. I love selling product. Um, I love selling great product, um, and. Uh, I mean, I'm not scared to say no to a bad deal, but um, I would not change a single thing about what I wake up in the morning and do. So without changing a single thing, mm. is there any advice you would give yourself when you started? So not to change anything, but knowing what you know now, is yeah. there any advice you would have given yourself when you, when you kicked off? Plan. So I didn't realize, you know, so early on in my career, I was Mr. Billabong. So um, I, I left school in Cape Town. For some reason, I still cannot, I could, I don't think I'll ever be able to tell anyone how I ended up in Johannesburg. Anyway, I did. And um, it's like, I, I actually cannot pin it down to how that physically got me from Cape Town. I was going to go and surf and travel the world. And like, I wanted to be a pro surfer. I had my colors for surfing. I ended up in Johannesburg <laughs> selling a surf, surf capital of Africa. Selling <laughs> and then what's even more funny is here I am in Johannesburg and I end up selling a surf brand. <laughs> like I was the Billabong guy for the whole interior. Um, Did this come pre-Bondi or post? Uh, afterwards. So, okay. Yeah. So, so Bondi was literally just a bolt onto that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A, okay. um, with, with, with my family and um, and when I started with Billabong, like no one knew what the brand was. I was I was that guy. I've got the, I've got an awesome clip which I'll share with you. It's uh, it's on, it's a YouTube clip. It says the shit sales guys say. It's the funniest thing ever. But I was literally that guy driving around to stores, unpacking my rails, hanging my tees up. Off we go. 
retailers paging through them and 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 you know onto the next one. And I would uh, I would literally just go and mission for customers. Um, and uh, one of my first actual sales stories, which 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 was quite funny. Um, you mentioned Bondi Blue, so my family owned Bondi Blue, and uh, my uncle's quite a direct guy, and I ended up working for him. Um, first in the warehouse, I literally sat next to a guy with one arm and put swing tags on sunglasses for like six months. Like that was what I did, and um, yeah. So my uncle once gave me an, an order book. Still to this day, he's not digitally anything. His reps write orders for their sunglasses. He handed me two of these books. Gave me the keys to a GTR Golf because that rep apparently like wasn't coming back, but he needed someone to go out. And he said, "Don't come back to this warehouse until these books are finished." And I ended up in Botswana, faxing e- orders through, having the time of my life, saying, "I need more order books. Like this is pretty fun. Like, do I actually have to come back?" Yeah. And that literally was um, how. So, I- how did you get to plan? So, planning. Um, as you know, as we. As, as Billabong grew and as the brands grew, um, this, this little t-shirt thing that I was representing, you know, this cool brand became a behemoth. Um, I mean, we were doing hundreds of millions of rands with Edgars alone. Um, I had no clue. And, and our rangers would arrive, would have our set sales period. And, and, and there was a lot of work in the background that, you know, we didn't get to know about or didn't get to learn about. Are you um, saying you? So you were out there just saying? Yeah, we were stuff. just pounding pavements. Yeah. Like, we were having the time of our lives. Um, it was like, I mean, not to be unfair to how hard we worked, it was like clubbing seals. It was, it was just our time. We had this brand, it was on fire, and, um, and uh, we fucking worked our asses off. Um, and we had a lot of fun in between. So fast forward to now, like Lux Brands, uh, we are the behind the scenes. Um, and if there's anything... And, and, and what I constantly strive, and, and I think a lot of the reasons I keep saying yes to even the EO stuff and this one and that one is <clears throat> you can actually fit it all in. You just need to plan. Um, Trello has become a big part of my life. It's become a big part of my- Such a fan. My business. Trello. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that to me is the one thing that I, that I, I actually just want to get um, the best at, at being is, is planning. Um, from ranges to stock to, you know, you, you can go and sell all day long, but if you don't have the correct stock coming in, you know, there's, there's a problem. So, yeah, planning. Planning for me is like, and, and my maturity as a business person um, is, is, is about planning and managing people's expectations and, and not being a yard brew. Um, we deliver what we say and we, we do it well. It's amazing how that comes out as a theme in so many of these successful EO businesses is if you want to be in the top 5% of your industry, you just do what you say you're going to do yeah. when you say you're going to do it. It's not, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, like yeah. a very hard thing. And yeah. it's amazing how many businesses promise the world and then just don't rock up and they don't deliver the, it's the goods. It's almost that if your concept is too complicated, like it's the consistent lesson that we seem to pick up on is that there's not a, this, it's not like this crazy secret formula. All of these people keep making lots of money and great lives and, you know, all these things by just following a simple formula on repeat over and over again. In fact, the reason I think like uh, guys like me will always struggle is we get so bored of a formula that we're constantly trying to jump, change and re-engineer it when it just doesn't need it. 
You know, those business models have been around for, like your uncle's business. Mm. You know, he's probably still not that much more digitized. Oh, no. But it's still a business. He's still doing okay. He's still got yeah. a lifestyle. People still know his brands. But he understands the fundamentals. It's like yeah. you get your order books, you mm. fill an order, you deliver the order on time. That's still it, true. Yeah. yeah. And I guess to some degree, um, that lesson maybe from Ian is, I mean, you've got a work ethic second to none. Yeah. Do you think like that is still true for you? That I mean, you the one thing I've always known about you is uh, you're a salesman first and foremost. And any time there's ever been any kind of dip in the company, your immediate response is to get on the road, sit with a rep, and take them from door to door to door to door to door. Like it's, hustle. Yeah, it's uh, <clears throat> like guided missile. Uh, my company. Uh, listen, I'm blessed with an amazing business partner, um, Daniel Hoffman. And I, we, we have a formula that works. Um, he focuses on what he does within the business, and I focus on what I do within the business. And so, what are, I mean, what are those roles? So, I'm I'm on the street pounding pavements. I am the sales guy. I I'm I'm out there. You know, Daniel's Daniel is 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 keeping the machine going. He's making sure. You know, there's oil oil in the machine. He mm. deals with um, obviously our head office for Lux Brands is based in Johannesburg. So just practically him living in Johannesburg, you know, he's running that that setup. Um, and, and his brother has just come into to our business as well. So, um, you know, it's a huge factor that I don't have to worry about those things. You know, if, if, if our delivery truck gets hijacked or there's a, like half the time I don't even know about it. Um, and, and, and so that has been a huge, a huge um Plus, in, in, and was that a was that a deliberate decision, or did you guys accidentally end up in that? You know, like you see, you're playing to your strengths, and he's playing to his strengths. Yeah. I'm sure if you put him on the pavements, he probably wouldn't be as excited about the business, and uh, you know, at, and doing what it is that makes you want to get out of bed every morning. Yeah, you know, it's and and it's it's always so, you know, it's kind of weird. Like you know, we often meet with buyers together, and 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 um, you know, Daniel's a, Daniel's a good Jewish boy from Joburg. And it's like bizarre. Like we'll walk into a meeting and like a buyer or, or someone that we've known for, for, for years will go, oh, so Dustin's the marketing guy and Daniel's the accountant. And we so often look at each other. We're just like, let's just go with it. Like it's, I don't know where it came from, but um, you know, apparently the, 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 offer, the Dutchman in the room can't be the accountant. And uh, yeah, so it's just kind of evolved like that. But I mean, a funny story when we started, when we started Lux Brands, it really is one of those like we both had, Jobs. I was Mr. Billabong at Billabong's absolute prime. It was 2008, just before the crash. Um, you know, we were. I often tell my friends in the rag trade, um, you haven't made it until you've sold stickers to Edgar's. I've got friends who work at Vans, and they're like, "Oh, it's Vans time." I'm like, "No, no, guys, I haven't made it yet." Edcon has not bought stickers from you. I managed to sell Edgar's like a ton of stickers. You know, and and that's when you've made it in the rag trade. Um, but literally it was a story. Daniel had a day job like that. He had a job and he was a brand manager for, for a consumer electronics company. And I was doing my thing and we would meet in the evening. Um, we had like a, we had a, we had a, um, I don't know if it's called a pseudonym or, or like a, a, an imaginary person called Dustin Hoffman because, you know, he was busy and I was busy and we didn't want to get like the lines. We literally had Dustin Hoffman's desk. And we would come in and um, in the evening after everyone's sort of done their thing and we would literally download the, the, the Lux Brands emails, plan our day the next day and, and pack orders and like, and then we'd go home and next day we'd come back to the office and get on with our normal jobs. 
um, and, and, and the demands of that. And, and like every evening and weekends, we literally would come and start Lux Brands and that's exactly how it started. Um, I've got an apartment. Our first warehouse was like the apartment next door to my other apartment that came up for rent. So we rented that apartment. Then I had property in Bramfontine. So we had like containers arriving at like my, my flats in Bramfontine, like carrying boxes up and down every evening. Um, and yeah, we'd literally pack orders in the evening and hustle them out between my visits and his visits and lunch breaks during the day until one day we just sat down and we're like, fuck man, are we going to, are we going to do this or, or not do it? And we did literally that we just, we made a decision that, uh, we were going to do this. There's two questions I want to ask you and they're maybe somewhat related. The one is about your choice of brands. So brands come and go yeah. in your stable. Uh, there's like Skullcandy, there's Ogeo. Mm. Uh, then you had like Hurley for a yeah. while. So the curation of brands, how important is that for a company like you? That's the first part. And the second part, for a while, you guys got pretty involved in the actual retail directly, which yeah. I know was extremely stressful. And what are the big takes from that? So... The so the brand start with the brand thing. Um, I use the word diversified very intentionally when I when the concept of an elevator pitch. You know, actually, I, I think I heard it on this thing. You know, give me an elevator pitch, and and it's something I've written down so many times. Um, and we are very diversified, and we're intentionally so. And I'll tell you why. I always have a have a vision of being a sales rep and walking into Canal Walk or walking to the Take a Lot office. And I always say to myself, you know what, like, I would love my reps to be able to sell to every single store in this mall without um, cannibalizing themselves um, or arrive at take a lot's building and be able to see every single buyer on the list as opposed to seeing one buyer. Yeah. So it's not wow. that we don't want to be experts in what we do, um, but we, we, I like the fact that I give my, my sales guys opportunity to literally knock on as many doors as possible. It's counterintuitive but genius because instead of going from surf shop to surf shop to yeah. surf shop, yeah. you're going to the mall and then you're selling Velcro yeah. at the hardware store and okay. then you're going to the surf shop doing skull candy and stuff and then you're going to the the luggage store and doing your audios and things. Yeah. So actually they're getting many more hits. Yeah. Logistically, it's actually super smart, and the yeah. speciality, I guess, is sales and products. Yeah, so, I mean, it's such an interesting trend. Like uh, we interviewed Jed uh, a couple of weeks back on the podcast, and his one of the, the key success factors in his business was how do I take the same nurse who's doing the same check in, yeah. and instead of sending you to fifty more places, like how can she just do more w where, where she, she is? is? Yeah. And I think it's a similar like position, but from a brand like selection curation perspective. Yeah, and then so you could, uh, if you own the whole mall. That, that's almost like a victory condition for you. Yeah. If your rep could walk into a mall and stop in every single store. Correct. Theoretically, that's the highest efficiency. Correct. And I mean, <clears throat> you know, look at where retail's going. Uh, you know, let's use online as, as an example. You know, the, the whole space, people, people are, are, have changed their habits. You know, we wouldn't think that you'd be buying your Woolies, like you're doing your grocery shopping at a, at a gas station. But these days, it's, I mean, it's pretty normal. Mm. And I think what's happening is <clears throat> people, consumers, I feel, trust brands or they trust a particular retailer. But you don't need to be a specialist, you know, like the mom and pop shoe store that you'll only go there to buy shoes. You know, you, you trust the brand. If the brand is a, a pair of Nike shoes is available on Take-A-Lot, you're not too concerned. You've done your research in the background. You just, you actually just want the brand and yeah. you want it at the best price. So, um, 
the one thing that we do do is we 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 we're very particular about the brands we stock. Um, we try not to do brands that conflict with each other. So you know, I've got huge respect for other players in a, in our in our space. Like um, there's there's a couple consumer electronic distributors. Um, they do a fantastic job. You know, they've got 15 ranges of headphones and and a whole bunch of products that bolt into that that space. Um, but yeah, we've just sort of always steered away from that and. Uh, We've 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 just made sure that every brand we do, we personally use it, and we like it adds value to our lives. And if it ticks those boxes, then um, you know, then then it's then it'll. So I mean, that's on. an interesting that kind of segue. Like, how? What would you say? Like, if you were to look at a brand, what like what is it? What do you look for in a brand to say like that's a good brand? And that's a brand that I would like to kind of have on my books. Because and, you and seem to hit it well. So obviously. Um, I have the history of, of, of Billabong and, and being involved in the surf industry. Um, along came Skull Candy and um, amazing people. We got involved with them really early in, in that whole business. Like Skull Candy itself had only been going a couple of years. They didn't even know where South Africa was or, or had any interest in distributing here. So um, off we go. I had a couple of stores, put the product into my own stores, and we literally just started to see a turn. At the same time, I had friends in the industry. We launched Hurley in conjunction with them. So a really good friend of mine that I that I, I worked with at Billabong, he exited Billabong and he started Hurley. So how it worked was we looked after his brands and we invested in, in Hurley in all the regions he couldn't get to. And he looked after Skull Candy in Cape Town and, and, and like his staff and infrastructure. So that's how we ended up owning owning. So even competitors, you guys were quite close and stuff. Yeah, Is yeah, that kind yeah. of market? Yeah. So along and then, and then sort of that went down and uh, a big private equity firm has recently just bought a bunch of businesses in our space. Um, we, we turned, so Vans, um, Superdry, it's, it's been in the news company called Coast to Coast. So the guys from Hurley exited Hurley and they did a deal with them. They, uh, they took us to a lot of expensive lunches. Um, and I, I, yeah, going to an office and, uh, and, and dressing the way, I just basically told them it's not for me. I said, I will be the worst investment you will ever make. Um, I'm completely unemployable. Have fun with Hurley, but uh, unless you write me a check and I get to leave the room and never speak to anyone again, it's the only way we're going to sell. And we've, uh, it was the, I think it was the best decision we've ever made. So we, we, we left. Um, that's how we exited Hurley. It was very stressful working with Hurley. Obviously, they're owned by Nike. Um, and stock was a big issue with them at stages. I mean, we had a... 120 square meter store in Santon City. And if you know what the Santon rents are like, you cannot have an empty store. And like, we just couldn't, they were just not traders. Um, and the brand was blowing up globally. Um, and it was just, it was like, the stress wasn't worth it. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, so then as we go, we, in our travels, and we, we spend a lot of time in retail around the world. And um, I mean, it literally is, you know, you, you see a brand like Oggio, you sort of know where the, the space is going. Um, you phone them up and, and off you go. Um, one of our new brands is a is a brand that we are we're going to be we be launching quite soon is uh, Traeger. So it's the number one wood pellet like grill in America. Um, half the people that work there know Daniel and I. Um, it's based it's a company based in Salt Lake City, um, but it literally was a case of between Skull Candy meetings. I got hold of them. Um, we sort of we we've been watching the food space and I think the food space hasn't been sort of disrupted uh, in a while. 
and um, and and we we're gonna give a, a crack at the food space, but we're gonna do it in in the most untraditional food way possible. Um, but yeah, so we literally reached out and said we're in town and I'm coming to see you, and a deal was done there and then for us to become the distributors for what I think is going to be a fantastic product. So it's almost the same as like Warren Buffett's investment strategy. He's just like, I like this product and I believe that everybody else likes yeah. this product and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to... We should have had at least yeah. one event here with the Traegers. Yeah. yeah. House of Machines on Friday. You know, <laughs> it'll be on the social media. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's my other off. Uh, I'm interested, Rich Rich mentioned it at the beginning of the thing about kind of being generous and you know, I've just done, you've just done some work for my company, Nice Work, you made some hats for us and like through the whole process you were, you know, like, super service orientated you were like trying to get me the best price the like the nice you sure. know like the nicest product and these are not really things you see in every kind of business like, yeah is this something that you deliberately kind of use generosity in your business or or is it just because it feels of your, like one of your values yeah um, is it company or is it dust yeah it's i think it's dust you know um I'm, I'm, a, I'm a i'm i'm a very simple human being um and i think if you treat people well uh, and you treat people the way that you want to be treated, whether it's in personal business or whatever, um, it'll come back to you, you know? And it's, 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 that was one of the things that led me to, to sort of going down the, the clothing rabbit hole of, of starting a little clothing business. One, because I needed to fund a fucking legal battle. Uh, <laughs> but the other one was the barriers to entry. And even with our brand Skullcandy, like we couldn't find someone that was just on the other end of the phone to go like, hey, cool. You've got an awesome brand. I want to make you some awesome gear and off we go. Uh, the, the clothing industry, the barriers to entry and, and, and all the stuff that actually doesn't need to exist um, make it very difficult for, for like young guys that want to start a brand. Like where's the next brand coming from? Like where, you know, it, 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 where's, when's the next graphic designer going to make a cool range of t-shirts and, and why can't they just get it done? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting, you know, and, uh, and, and to the point where – you know, even with my year forum, it's like we, 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 we've gotten to this little sort of ritual of we, we try and do stuff. So, you know, the, before the one forum, we all went surfing and, and just as a group, you know, trying to do something different. And uh, the other one, you know, I said to the guys, come, we're going we're gonna to each print a T-shirt. And, you know, a guy like Ryan Joffe, who, who, who deals in, in big deals all day long, um, you know, is super interested in, in the, the process that a piece of fabric ends up with five colors on it at the other end, you know, yes. it was just awesome to take them through that process because there's about four hours worth of stuff that goes into a one color t-shirt um, before you've even started. So, but it's cool. It's like a, it's a fun business. And now tell me, you, you kind of poised where, like with your business, like where do you think the trends in retail are going? Like if, if people are interested in kind of selling products or stuff, like what do you think is, is shifting in this sort of landscape where, where these brands are operating? So, um, I want to answer this question correctly and clearly. So I think retail uh, in its current form is, is, is in for a big wake-up call. Um, you know, I deal with buyers from across the country, across various different channels, across various different segments. So I can be with the game buyer for bags and luggage one day, and then I can be with the spa buyer for non-food stuff. And we've just launched a, 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 literally a consumer electronics division with, with ShopRite Checkers. Um, I think a lot of retailers are in for a big surprise. I think this legacy thinking of I'm a buyer 
and you're the brand. And uh, like, I've got to sit there with my tin cup and like beg for for, for orders. I think is 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 gonna die. Um, what's happening is 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 guys like take a lot. Um, there's there's a new way of thinking, and it's like respect your supplier. Like we're actually in this together. Like I didn't wake up this morning thinking how can I screw a buyer over today. And that's a lot of the time, especially with these older retailers, and they are the guys that are struggling. That's how we get treated. I mean, I will fly to Joburg, arrive at a retailer, um, and the buyer like doesn't pitch. You know what I mean? Um, yet with some of the new re- retailers, um, especially the online space, um, and funny enough, the ShopRite guys, it's been an unbelievable experience dealing with them. And and wow, like the the passion that these guys have shown is is really um, is really impressed me um and you can see how they how they do things like you wouldn't think about company culture in ShopRite checkers but these guys are amazing um and 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 what i'm experiencing is is some of the new age retailers and the guys that are really taking it seriously um and really trying to save the sector um have got a different way of treating you and a different way of behaving and a different level of respect to some of the the, the older guys that i deal with but I mean, we've been on an on a, on a interesting journey of firing customers this year, um, just firing bad customers. Um, so Daniel does do some selling because he's, <laughs> he's not as convinced of this idea as I am. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, I, I won't deal with, uh, with, with, with one or two people up in Johannesburg. I'm sure you'll find that if that's the way they're treating you, the, the customers that are actually engaging them in the retail experience is probably having a similar kind of feeling of you know you just come here and spend your money and we don't really have to treat you right um, you can see it in their numbers yeah so that's why i don't even have to mention names but yeah it's uh you know the space is changing and i think the people that don't wake up and start you know retail is, is an emotional thing it's a you know people don't have to spend their money with you um and and i think you know the other side of it is and how a lot of these retailers are trying to sort of um address that is Let's just put as much cheap stuff as possible because consumers just want cheap stuff. And, um, you know, it, 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 we've had a lot of competition. So talking about the Skull Candy business, we've had a lot of competition in that space. You know, when we started, we were sort of the cool rock star brand. Beats came along, um, you know, which elevated the price. And now all of a sudden there's this like flood of sort of Skull Candy knockoff. Volcano and, yeah. and 101,000 yeah. other. While I have, you know, respect for those guys who run that business and they've got a very clear thing of what they do and how they do it. Um, I've, I've had to very intentionally and very sort of um, consciously remove myself from that fight to the point where I even said to my, my reps um, in our like sales reports, I'm like, guys, I don't want to see the word Volcano or I don't want to, actually, like they're not our competition. Like, let's just respect them let them do their thing. We actually run our own race. And what, what I want you to focus on is, like, what are you going to do in the store? Like, we can't manage what they do. Let mm. them do their thing, you know? Um, and and, and we, we focus on what we do. And it's been a very conscious and, and uh, deliberate, like, way of thinking that we've had to actually just remove ourselves from that and just make sure that however we touch a consumer, we do it in the best way possible. Um, yeah. I like that. I mean, I like the idea of not looking, not watching your competitor and trying to mimic them and copy them. And oh my God, they just added a new Bluetooth headphone. Why don't we have a Bluetooth headphone? For 99 Rand. Like. Yeah. On uh, Howard Mann, he wrote a book called Your Business Brickyard. I'm quite a fan. And uh, one of his things is about nemesis theory. And he says, what you have to do is sit long and hard, work with your management team and write down the name of the five biggest competitors in your space. Yeah. 
and then put them on there and ceremoniously go up to your roof, crumple the ball, throw it away and never think about them again. Like they're not, they're not going to be the major disruptor mm. and you're going to spend too much time almost arguing parity with these uh, businesses. Mm. And then there's like incremental gains and yes. things. It's actually far better to ignore them completely and just focus on the customer. Yeah, and, yeah, and focus uh, on what's your unique, on, on your, your unique opposite. Yeah, your you know, and thing. I've got a, and I've got a different, you know, and I've got a different way of looking at it. Um, they've managed to put a lot of products in a lot of new spaces, which I was really good at doing. So I'm, I'm not the biggest distributor by any means in South Africa, but what we, what I believe is our secret sauce is I didn't launch headphones in the consumer electronics space. Our first customer was a surf shop. Um, you know, when we launched, you know, so, so sort of the Lamy brand where it currently lives is sort of in an exclusive book space. So while my team are currently maintaining that, you know, I, I'm on the phone trying to get Lamy into Fabiani stores or men's sock stores with, with Nick and Harry. You're like, I, I'm, I don't want the low hanging fruit is for my reps to deal with. Yeah. I want to go and put this product, which is amazing, into a completely different space. And I, and I often feel that. People, people walk up to me or they, they'll see me like, hey, Skull Candy. And they go like, shit, man, where did I see? I saw your headphones somewhere. And he's, he's not thinking about the musica that he saw them in. Yeah. He's thinking about that one store that he like didn't expect to see it in. And, and that, I don't want to give away my secrets, but I think that is like something that we've done well. Now, those guys, a lot of our competitors are big consumer. You know, they're one-trick ponies with all due respect. They, they focus on the consumer electronics markets and that's what they go deep into. So while they're doing that, um, I believe a lot of them, and, and, and with the current sort of mindset of, of, of a lot of the buyers is, oh, you know, consumers under pressure, let's, let's go with a cheap product. And then what started to happen is people have seen like, holy shit, we can actually sell a shit ton of headphones. And what's happening now is we're getting phone calls and going, hey guys, listen, um, so we've been running with the brand A, B, and C that, you know, play at the bottom of the food chain in terms of price point. Um, hey, can, can we have a discussion with you? Like, can we, can we look at Skull Candy? Like we actually sell a ton of headphones. And what they're actually doing and what we're doing for each other is they've created a whole new market of retailers that actually didn't believe they could sell headphones, which was what I used to do in the beginning when, when, when Beats was, you know, when we were competing against Beats. Mm. But it's, we've now become the sort of mid to higher price point. Um, and we've got these other brands that have come in and, and sort of widened the space. And, you know, you don't buy a City Golf once and go, I want to drive a City Golf for the rest of my life. You buy a City Golf once, you learn to drive a car, you enjoy that car, and then you look to your side and go, hmm, maybe I'd like a BMW or maybe I'd like to step up. So I don't believe, you know, I believe that that that, that price point product is, is a great way to adopt a new customer, someone that doesn't have money, you know, at that particular time. And as they go, they, they increase their quality questions, they... They, they get to use headphones in their daily life and they go, shit, you know, this product doesn't actually sound that great and I'm using this thing all day. Maybe it's time to step up. So, yeah. Awesome, dude. I mean, thank you very much. I think there's some really good insights in there around, um, you know, kind of looking at looking at different places to put your product, looking at different places to put your company and brand where not necessarily everybody else is playing. Um, yeah. I love this thinking of generosity and kind of being sharing and treating people really well, uh, delivering what you say you do. I think there's been some amazing lessons in here. So thank, thank you for contributing. Thank you. Thanks so much, dude. Thanks for having me, guys. Right. Awesome. So thank you very much for living, listening, living. For li thank you for living and for listening. Both of those things uh, we're appreciative of. Um, you've been listening to radio. Uh, my name's Ross. 
Um, thank you. Your name? <laughs> My name's Richard. <laughs> My mean, name's uh, apparently Dustin Woodsovitz Hoffman. Sex director. <laughs> Sex director. Sex director. <laughs> Um, thank Thanks. you very much to our sponsors, um, 10XE, uh, Bidvest Car Rental, Bidvest McCarthy, and Labernet. Um, they help us uh, keep the entrepreneurs organization in South Africa running. And if you're an entrepreneur and you would like to join the most influential community of entrepreneurs in the world, check out eonetwork.org. And thank you very much. If you've enjoyed this, we'd appreciate it if you just find one other person and um, pass it on to them. And we'll catch you next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Peace.